Hey folks, welcome to the Coastal Noise Podcast. This is episode number 64 with Robbie D'Angelo, nutritional coach, motivational speaker, and author of The Struggle is Real. We just finished up our talk, had a great conversation about health, fitness, dieting, meal prepping, and we talked a little bit about Robbie's struggles, some of the things he overcame, talk about meditation and One thing that we talked about that's really crucial to this kind of dialogue is the mental aspect of what goes into achieving your goals. How you think about the obstacles that are in your way. The things that you'll tell yourself that kind of keep you complacent in resistance as opposed to working around them and figuring out what works for you ultimately and makes you successful. So... Love this talk. Really great. I would like to say that if you enjoy it, I also recommend the podcast we did uh, recently with Beth O'Neill, Melissa Mott of the Mantras and Macros podcast, which falls in line with the same kind of uh, discussion of health and fitness and dieting and that, that kind of thing. There are also lots of other great podcasts that you can see at thecoastalnoise.com slash podcast page. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. A uh, great way to see what other what other things I'm releasing. I'll put links up to all of Robbie's stuff, his website. And he's also got a podcast called Still the Fat Kid that he just launched that we also talk about toward the end of the episode. So we'll get right into it. I hope you enjoy it. This is Coastal Noise Podcast, episode number 64. All right, man, you ready to kick it off? Let's rock and roll. Okay, let's do it. Hey, everybody, welcome to Coastal Noise Podcast, number 60. Am I on 64? I'm going to have to run this back here. Okay, we'll just say welcome to Coastal Noise. (laughs) <laughs> get it <laughs> hey everybody welcome to the coastal noise podcast i'm here with robbie d'angelo author of the struggle is real and nutritional coach man of uh, many hats actually as uh, i've grown to learn in our in our pre-talks here um robbie how you doing man i am fantastic man life is good i hear you i hear you it's always interesting for me uh when i do shows like this with somebody i've actually never met in person before uh, but despite that fact, just from our exchanges that we've had through our social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, uh, we joked around about doing this thing and worrying about uh, when we would find a stopping point. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, once you get started talking about health and fitness, something we're both clearly passionate about, mm-hmm. um, and it's such a deep sub- subject of study, it's always changing. There's always new research, always a trending topic in our country. Tell me, how lucky do you feel to be able to wake up every day and do something you're truly passionate about, use your knowledge, your experiences to better other people's lives on a daily basis? I am, I mean, I hate saying as cliche as it is, but I am truly blessed to be able to do it. And for me, I mean, it's taken a long road to get to this point, many ups and downs, many struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, But to be able to wake up every day excited. I mean, yesterday... On Tuesdays, because my weekends are so busy with meal prep, Tuesday is like my day to sleep in. Mm-hmm. I still woke up at 
ready to go conquer the day without an alarm clock, but it's just because I had so much stuff that I wanted to do that day that I just jumped out of bed and was ready to roll. Mm-hmm. So I'm extremely fortunate to be able to do what I'm loving every single day, and every day is definitely an adventure. Mm-hmm. And it helps when you're feeling it right. You know, when it's something that actually excites you, it's easy to get out of that bed without an alarm clock, you know? It is. I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's so easy to get out of bed and go work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people just kind of meander through life and go to their job, come home, family, and do this, that. But I'm able to really get deep into my work and truly love it. When I get a positive review from a client or when a client calls me and tells me, hey, I just lost 20 pounds, you know, it just helps me and gives me more motivation to push harder. Mm-hmm. I don't mind staying up till 2 or 3 in the morning, getting up at 6 and only sleeping 2 or 3 hours. I don't mind that because I love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. When your uh, dreams in the in the waking life are better than the ones that you sleep with, you're in good shape. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes those dreams get kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because so, sometimes they come from from hard places too. You know, your they past do. your past always chases you in some way, and it's a matter of keeping ahead of that. Yeah, which, I mean, which you've had an interesting past. I mean, you've you've got quite a story, and I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that of kind of where you came from mm-hmm. to be where you're at now. Yeah, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Sure, sure. Uh, the other one takes a little while. I but understand. I grew up, and I have no problem saying this. I grew up the fat kid. Mm-hmm. I was fat ever since I can remember. I had an addiction to emotional eating when I was a little kid. I didn't know what it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a hot topic back then, but I was definitely obese. I grew up emotionally eating all the way through you know, college. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with it in my subconscious level. And I, it's still something that I battle, but I just ha- now have the tools to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I continued gaining weight until my senior year of college football. I played football at USM, and I was 305 pounds my senior year. Through a ton of injuries, four knee surgeries in a year, um, I had a broke bone in my shoulder, uh, fractured my ankle, just a ton of injuries. Mm-hmm. I was physically beaten down. And on top of that, because of the injuries... Because I was always struggling to put on weight, I was mentally beaten down too. It was just, it was a, such a struggle every single day to eat 10 to 12,000 calories mm-hmm. and to have that just after a buffet coma feeling, but having to go practice football on a high level. So I was achieving all the success on the field. I was an All American, we were winning conference championships, all the success, but I was still just beaten down. So when I finished playing football, that's when I started my journey to health and fitness. And I managed to lose right at 100 pounds in a year. And I've kept it all for 10 years now. And it's been a roller coaster ride of 10 years because I tell people all the time, it's a lot easier to lose 100 pounds than it is to keep it all for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because those same issues that cause you to gain the weight are always going to be with you. You're never going to get rid of them. So it's a daily battle for me to overcome those Mm -hmm. and you know I've I've worked a few different jobs I did personal finance for a while did commercial real estate but now I'm able to truly like we talked about pour my life and my passion into helping others overcome the same struggles I went through Mm -hmm. and I read were you eating like 10 to 12,000 calories a day I was I was look every morning I would wake up I would drink a 2,500 calorie protein shake. Yeah, what was in that shake? Just to start my day. I mean, it was 
ice cream, whole milk, bananas, weight gain protein powder, just anything I could fit in there. And it was literally the size of the blender. Yeah. And I would get done drinking this thing and I was just miserable. But that's how I had to consume calories. I had to consume that many calories because I was trying to gain weight constantly. Yeah. It's hard to step away from that. How do you, you know, wake up and say, well, tomorrow I'm just going to I'm just going to eat 2,500 calories over the course of the whole day. When you start <laughs> off your day drinking liquid, you know, calories yeah. I mean, in a that's, day. That's more calories than the average human should take in in a day. Right. And for me, I got to the point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was fed up with how miserable I was on a daily basis. And when you get to that point and you're just miserable, that's when it kicks in and you say, okay, I've got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. This is no way to live life. I mean, I'm just emotionally eating my life away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was tough. I mean, that first year, the first commitment I made to myself was no buffets and no fast food. Because that's what I lived on for five years. Buffets and fast food because I was always trying to get in calories. Mm-hmm. So I made that commitment to myself. And once I was able to do that, then I'm like, okay, what's next? What else can we do to improve our diet? So it's... It's about creating small victories, mm-hmm. um, which gives you confidence to go attain other larger goals. And that's mm-hmm. what I had to do. I had to start creating small victories and then saying, okay, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Were there any obstacles particularly uh, hard for you to overcome in that, that first year? Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing, and it's still to this day, I mean, it, it, a, lot, a lot my first year, but still to this day, my biggest problem is I'm an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. And when I say emotional eater, we deal with all different kinds of emotions. For me, it's stress. When I get stressed out subconsciously, I immediately start craving food. Mm-hmm. And I want to go and grab the first piece of fast food I can find and eat those emotions away. Mm-hmm. So I really dealt with that in my first year because I was trying to I was trying to find myself. I'd always had this identity of being this large football player and that's what I built my whole identity around. But now that's over. There was no chance of me playing pros. I had way too many injuries. So I'm trying to figure myself out and who I am and where I want to go. And so there was a lot of stress on me. So I struggled with wanting to just eat those emotions away. But one of the things I did that really helped me out was I publicly told people about my goals. I told them, say, hey, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I'm going to have, and this is the funniest one, when I was 300 pounds and I started losing weight, I would tell people, one day I'm going to have a six-pack. And I wish you could have seen the reactions people had on their faces. They would just look at me like, you know, yeah, right, come on, you're not going to do that. And I was like, okay, well, just watch. And it took me two years, but I finally accomplished that goal. Mm-hmm. But it took me having to really tell people out loud what I wanted to do. So it held me accountable. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge thing. It is, and so many people are scared to speak openly and outwardly about their goals because they're scared, what happens if I fail? Mm-hmm. Well, if I would have failed in that process and I never got a six-pack, to me, okay, that tells me I just didn't work hard enough. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't get to that point, I still improved myself 100% during that process. I still learned a lot. I still tested myself. I still tried to improve, and... Yeah, I mean, I didn't hit that goal, but I'm a lot closer to being healthy now mm-hmm. than I was when I started. 
Mm-hmm. But so many people are scared to talk about their goals because they're scared of failure. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, you have to understand that chasing a goal, just the experience that chase is worth it in itself. I mean, a lot of times that chase is more fulfilling than actually hitting that goal. Um, and I, I wish more people would think like that. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked um, before about weekends being a, a crucial time for meal prepping, preparing for the week coming. Mm-hmm. Talked a little bit about your, your business. You've got a new startup doing meal prep stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, that project and, and why you use that time on the weekend to do meal prep stuff and how crucial it is to make your week more successful overall? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to, I know you've heard the expression, the five Ps. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Mm-hmm. And so many people are unwilling to take an hour and a half, two hours out of their Sunday afternoon to meal prep for the week and prepare foods that they'll have that are healthy for the week. But when you think about it, not only is that going to save you a ton of money by having those foods prepared, cooking in bulk, but it's going to save you a ton of time too. Mm-hmm. How many moms and dads come home and spend 30 minutes a night cooking? Okay, well, that's 30 minutes a night, seven days a week, when you could have just done it an hour and a half on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing too, and I tell people like, hey, if you're getting started meal prepping, I mean, of course, you know, hey, come see me for meal prep, but if you're just getting started doing it for yourself, just start cooking your proteins. Have lean proteins around because... You know, with freezer technology, you can buy steamable vegetables that are so easy to put in the microwave for two minutes. Steamable mm-hmm. rice. Um, now that you have cauliflower rice in the freezer section, they have all these access to healthy um, vegetables and fruits and stuff like that. That if you cook your proteins, that's normally the hardest part to cook. That's normally the most time-consuming part. So you have, if you have a bunch of lean protein in your fridge at all times, it's a lot easier to make a meal out of. Now that meal that normally takes you 30 minutes you can get it done in two minutes by cooking some steamed vegetables. So it's just about having that ease of access to healthy food. Because when we get home from work and we're tired, we don't want to spend time cooking. Mm-hmm. We want something very easy. That's why most of the time we make bad decisions. Because most of the bad foods we just grab out of the cupboard, throw in the microwave, and we're done. Mm-hmm. Or we run through fast food on our way home from work because it's easy. When if you have if you know you have that healthy food in your refrigerator you're saying, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to save 10 bucks, go home and just reheat this meal, and I'm done. And I'm eating healthy, and I'm getting closer to my goals. So I always knew the importance of meal prepping for myself. Anytime I've wanted to achieve that kind of next-level physique, I've always meal prepped. Um, so I know the importance of it, and I know the importance of it from a lot of my clients that I've done coaching with. So I saw a real need for it along Mississippi Gulf Coast and other areas, and Really, for me, I never wanted to start a meal prep company. It was just, I, I love cooking, and I didn't want my love of cooking to be ruined by mass-producing food. So I started just personally cooking for a couple clients, and I really started enjoying that. I started enjoying seeing them making progress. And from there, more and more people just started asking, hey, you got to start meal prepping. you got to start meal prepping. I would buy from you. If you start, I'll buy. So I'm like, okay, let me give this thing a shot. So about two months ago, I started. And it was just something where we said, okay, we'll just give it a shot. Like we said, if we try and fail, okay, that's what now. You know, just we'll move on to the next venture. So I started the bill prep company 
and it's literally grown every week for eight weeks. And now it's to the point where I can no longer handle the demand. Um, I have to expand the kitchen and work on some different logistics systems that we'll talk about in the future. But for me, I'm starting to get some feedback from customers. I've probably got five customers in a very limited amount of time and a very limited number of customers, but I've got probably got five now that have lost 20 pounds in the last two months. And it's just by having those healthy foods on hand. Mm-hmm. And they're, t- they're talking about, you know, I never thought healthy food could taste this good. Or I never thought eating healthy would fill me up like this. And it's just kind of opening their mind to, you know, healthy eating is not the drudgery mm-hmm. that most people think it is. So I'm excited to see where the meal prep company goes. Um, we've got a lot of things we're talking about right now, a lot of possibilities we're going to look into and work on. So I'm just really excited. I mean, I love like last week I tried a new recipe for the first time and I'm always trying new recipes and really getting creative in the kitchen because my goal is to take the foods that we all know and love and make healthy versions of them. And I'm going to deliver big portions with even bigger flavor in every meal prep. And that's really my goal because I don't want any of my clients going away hungry. I don't want any of them, you know, eating this food and like, man, I got to eat this again. Jeez, I don't feel like eating this. I don't want my customers to ever say that. So that's what I'm really trying to deliver to them. Mm-hmm. What are some staples in in your weekly diet? What do you feel are good foods that keep to the healthy lifestyle, um, are nutritious and fuel you? Whether you're working out or just you know trying to supply your body with the nutrients that it needs. Yeah, for most people, you have to really learn your body. Learn works what works well for you. For me, I know that my body is very carb sensitive, so I can't have a lot of carbs. So for me, I ate a lean protein, a ton of vegetables, um, very limited fruits, um, just because it does have some sugar in it. But for most people, I mean, let's be honest, you cannot get fat eating broccoli. You cannot get fat eating cauliflower. It's just not going to happen. You can't eat enough of it for it to have adverse effects on you. So for most people, if you're eating lean, good whole sources of protein and a multicolor mix of fruits and vegetables, eating those real whole foods fresh from the farm to the table, you really can't go wrong with that approach. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you can overeat protein. You can overeat fruit. So I really recommend that you go real vegetable heavy in your diet. But if you're getting what's in season, what's fresh vegetables, it's amazing how good they taste. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in talks right now with a local farm to start producing vegetables for me, for my meal prep. And, you know, I know that by getting that from its source weekly, fresh, I, like I literally pick it up on Thursday and I'm cooking it Saturday or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know that by doing that, the vegetables taste so much better. And you're getting so much more nutrients in that way. And for most people, really by eliminating the toxins and the chemicals and a lot of the foods we eat, whether it's fast food or packaged food or anything like that, if you just simply eliminate that and go to a whole foods-based diet, just by doing that, you're going to have a ton more energy. I promise you it's weird, but colors are going to be brighter. Sounds are going to sound better. Your whole world is going to brighten up. Um, and you know, I even have clients, it's funny, they'll tell me, Man, I never realized how good vegetables taste. You know, I 
I now when I have a cheat meal, I had somebody call me the day he went out and had a cheat meal, and he called me the next day. He goes, "Man, I feel like I have a hangover," and it's because he got so used to eating clean foods and foods that were good for him. He reintroduced his body those chemicals and those toxins that it literally caused brain fog, and you know he felt real lethargic, and he had really you know hangover effects. So. For most people, I just recommend eating a whole foods diet. Mm. If you stick to whole foods, it's hard to really go wrong. Mm. There's a lot of controversy about stuff like wheat and grains. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because for somebody like me, like my personal struggle is from the perspective of a hard gainer. So I'm always looking for things that uh, will make my life easier in that respect that I can carve up, that I can get extra calories, you know, whether it's from grass-fed butters or, you know, lean meats and things like that. Um, but, you know, if you're cautious of things like rices and, and uh, legumes maybe, then uh, you might be cutting yourself short. But I get caught up in this thing where I want to do what's most optimal for health. And there's just so much science. And despite trying to keep on top of it, you know, this person says this and then this study refutes that you know what what would you say about those particular kinds of foods you know really it's like i said it goes back to learning your body mm-hmm. some people can eat um gluten and all those carbs like that and they're fine mm-hmm. like for you a hard gainer i'd be willing to bet that you're probably not eating enough healthy healthy fat that would be probably what i would say healthy fat and protein mm-hmm is really where most hard gainers struggle. Mm-hmm. They always get enough carbs in because they, they always think in their head, i got to eat more carbs. It's my energy source is how I build muscles. Mm-hmm. But really, if you get enough protein and healthy fat in, because fat is so calorie dense. Mm-hmm. With carbs and protein, you get four calories per gram. With fat, you get nine. That's why two tablespoons of peanut butter is 200 calories. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're getting those healthy fats in, they're very, very calorie dense. Mm-hmm. Um, for a hard gainer, that's where I see most of them are missing. But for the average person, it's really, yeah, it's about learning your body and learning what works best for you. And that's what I tell my clients. You know, there's this thing about doing an elimination diet or trying this out for a week, trying that out for a week. But if you eat gluten, which is your breads, your pastas, and your processed carbs, if you eat that stuff and you feel like crap, well, common sense, don't eat them. Mm-hmm. For me, when I was doing my bodybuilding competition, I noticed very early during my preparation that when I ate white rice, mm-hmm. which my coach was telling me to eat, when I ate white rice, I had a really big energy spike and an energy crash. So I would eat it before I worked out thinking it would be quickly absorbed and it would burn through it faster. But as soon as I would do that, midway through my workout, I would crash. Mm-hmm. I simply switched to sweet potato and I didn't have that crash anymore because my body metabolizes it different. Um, so that's really what it's about. You know, everybody wants this magic pill and this magic diet that they think is going to work for everybody, but that's just not true. Mm-hmm. We all have different genetics. We all have different metabolisms. And even epigenetics plays into it, the things you've done to your body that affects your genetics. So you have to really find what works well for you. Like I said, I know I have to stay away from carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually prepping again for a contest, so my carb intake is very low. But when I was... Excuse me. When I was bulking the last year and a half, I was eating a ton of carbs because I'm trying to put on muscle, and I didn't mind gaining a little fat with it. But now that I know I have a goal in mind, I have to eat according to that goal. And mm-hmm. it's yeah, like I just go back to it. It's about learning your body what works best for you. Mm-hmm. 
Another area that um, I've kind of had a recent kind of going back to is is multivitamins and, and supplements like fish oils and things like that. Um, even eating a wholesome diet and everything, you have days you slip. Um, can you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I'm not a doctor. Go see your doctor for any medical issues. But my personal opinion on what I do, I do believe in multivitamins. Here's the thing. Most of the argument is you're not going to absorb them or you know how you know the quality or how you know the potency of them. My opinion of that is even for somebody like me and you who eat healthy and we eat a ton of vegetables, we eat a ton broad range of fruits and vegetables and meats, it's really hard to get in the complete spectrum of vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. So let's just say my body's only absorbed 30 to 40% of that multivitamin I take in. Well, if I'm not taking in any of a certain vitamin, let's just say vitamin K from my diet, mm-hmm. well, I would still rather have 30% from that vitamin than not have any at all. Right. Because another thing a lot of people don't understand is these hunger and craving senses that go off in your brain that tell you, oh, I'm craving this, or I'm craving that. A lot of times that's your body being deficient in a vitamin and mineral. But it, your body can't differentiate, your brain can't differentiate your, those signals. So if your stomach and your body's craving that vitamin K, it's going to send a hunger signal to your brain, but your brain doesn't know that's what it is. Your brain just goes, okay, I need to eat. I'm missing something, I need to eat. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they start craving red meat when they're iron deficient. Um, you know, you hear a lot of stories like that, but I would at least rather cover my basis and have that stuff in my system Mm-hmm. Even though I know it, I'm not going to absorb 100% of it. I would still rather absorb you know, 20, even 30% of it just to know I have my baseline covered. Mm-hmm. You know, fish oil is the same way. With a lot of supplements you see a lot of people taking, um, I mean, it's just, you know, you get a little bit of an edge from that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's about eating right and working out and being healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing those things, there's not a multivitamin supplement out there that will cure you not doing what you need to be doing at the base level. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because they are just supplements. There's something to be added to your diet, you know? That's exactly right. It's it's good to think of the mentality of the way humans ate years and years ago before technology and all that kind of stuff. we got to look at um, where our species, if you will, came from. Mm-hmm. You know, and it all comes back to whole foods. And, yeah, for the longest time I kind of got out of supplements and stuff because I was reading this research as saying, oh, you know, your uh, absorption rates are probably not that great, and you should be, and, you know, encouraging you, you should be just doing it through Whole Foods, but even guys like us, we're, you're still going to miss things from time Absolutely. to time, and um, the idea that it's just, it's just none of it's getting absorbed is just, you know, preposterous, so that's one train that I've kind of hopped back on to. Yeah, there's no way that we can eat enough broad range of fruits and vegetables a day to cover all our bases and hit all those numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you realize the amounts of blueberries and kale and broccoli and all that you would have to be eating to hit those numbers? Right. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're we're not, you know, living in this perfect world. We're real people, we're really busy, and we have a lot going on. So it's really hard to cover that basis without supplements. And at least mm-hmm. that's my opinion. I know a lot of people will differ from that, but that's the way I look at it from all the research I've done. Hmm. What kind of, uh, talking about post and pre-workouts, um, what kind of stuff might you grab if you're going to put in work in the gym or something like that? What's a good 
pre-workout, um, whether you do a snack or a supplement, do you drink coffee ever or black tea? Um, I am a tea addict. Mm-hmm. I wake up every morning. I'm doing intermittent fasting right now, so I don't eat my first meal until probably about 1 or 2 in the afternoon. Oh, really? So first thing in the morning, I get up and I make a complete or- herbal organic tea um, with actually some brain supplements in it, and that's how I start my day. Um, so I do that. Before workout, I am a complete pre-workout addict. It's, I mean, I can work out without a pre-workout, but that's going to be about a 70-80% workout. Mm-hmm. I'd rather take a really good pre-workout and be at 110%. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. And also, right now I'm doing low-carb, but of course carbs do help fuel a workout. So I always recommend for the normal average person to take in a carb protein meal mm-hmm. about two hours before they work out. Nothing heavy. Stay away from the red meats. Stay away from anything with a lot of fat in it because fat will slow down digestion. But definitely get in a good carb and protein meal about two hours before you work out. And then there's there's different sciences on post-workout mm-hmm. as far as that anabolic window that, oh, you've got 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah, you yeah, got 30, 45 hour. minutes to get in your protein or your muscles are going to start wasting away. Um, but actually, you know, new research has shown that you're – that anabolic window is 24 to 48 hours after you work out. Um, but saying that, I still like to get it in immediately because I just want it in my system for when my body is ready for it. Because mm-hmm. when you work out, you're basically breaking your body down. And your body becomes hungry for nutrients at that point because it's broken down. So I would rather get something in my body immediately after my workout. True. Even if it's just a protein shake or a protein bar. Um, but you know that science there has proven that that's not necessarily something you have to do. Mm-hmm. It's optimal, but not something you have to do. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about your um, your book, "The Struggle Is Real." Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious to know: Did you do much writing before beginning work on that book, or was that a fairly new discipline for you? I hated writing. Did you? Grammar was my least favorite subject in school. Oh, okay. I can't spell. I hate punctuation. And I'm extremely ADD. So the thought of me sitting down to write, much less writing a book, sounded like complete drudgery to me. Mm -hmm. So when I was approached by my co-author about writing this book, she literally had to hound me for six weeks before I would even sit down with her and hear her out. And finally, after we sat down, she kind of explained the process to me. Um, She knew a couple of editors and publishers. So I'm like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And it was a process, man. I mean, once I got started, once I kind of started building momentum, the writing of the book as far as do this, not that, get past the mental struggles, overcome your limited beliefs, writing that stuff was easy. Mm. The hardest part for me about writing that book was actually writing my own story. As a man growing up in an athletic world like I did, both my parents were phenomenal athletes. My older brother was Everybody I was surrounded by was a great athlete. And you grow up in that macho world where you don't talk about your feelings and emotions. So when I had to go write my personal story, I had to actually open up about those kind of things. And I couldn't do it. And I hate admitting this, but when I first sat down to write my story, it was a page long. I was 30 years old, and I boiled down my entire life, 30 years of my life, to a page. I grew up fat. I played college football. I lost the weight. This is what I'm doing now. The end. And it took me, what I had to do 
was one of the greatest things I did for my book that I enjoyed the most was I did over 100 interviews. I interviewed everybody from people that have competed on the Olympian stage to Olympic athletes to the you know, average person like me who just went through health transformation. I interviewed all these people and I got really good at asking questions. Asking, okay, well, why did you do that? What motivated you to do that? Okay, well, if you did that, but then what, what in your head were you thinking about? So I got really good at asking those questions. I then had to turn them on to myself. And okay, you played college football, why did you play college football? Okay, well you did this for that, but why did you do this? And I had to ask myself those questions. So that's how I actually started expanding my story. And you know, we wrote this, I think it was like 48,000 word book, 140 something pages. I literally turned in my story a week before it went to the editor. Mm-hmm. It's, it was that hard for me to write. Because I was you know, drudging up these emotions and feelings I hadn't thought about in 10, 15 years that I've completely suppressed and just didn't want to think about. But now I had to pull them back to the surface and actually think about them again. Mm-hmm. So that was by far the toughest part of writing that book. Mm-hmm. And just listening to you talk about that, um, one of the, the the episode that I watched first of your, your podcast was with uh, Brian Keith Brown, and I was really impressed the level that y'all went um, psychoanalyzing those kinds of things, picking more introspective look, which, um, I mean, you've expressed to me that, you know, you're, you're a guy who's big into philosophy and mm-hmm. psychology and things like that, and that's an aspect that's really huge. You know, some people will try to sell people just on the diet aspect really like we were talking earlier it's it's a great deal about getting that person to change their mental values their world views um this idea that i'm gonna i'm gonna buy into the the trending diet mm-hmm. as opposed to adopting a lifestyle that is something that i'm, I'm i can, can i can consistently maintain and it, it all goes back to that mental state and you've told me that you've struggled with you know um, things of being shy or, or feeling like you were an introvert growing mm-hmm. up or um, you know just your experiences of, of being who you were in the football world and the role that you were kind of playing as the big guy on the field mm-hmm. as opposed to where you want to be now and ultimately what you want for other people now exactly you know? and that's huge that's uh, the the mind is is a huge factor in it yeah and and that's really the biggest thing that I got from writing the book. When we sat down to brainstorm, okay, what's the core beliefs in this book? What do we really believe? We just started thinking, you know, there's a different diet out every week. There's, you know, the Atkins Paleo, if it fits your macros, just there's a, literally a new diet train coming out every week. If you haven't seen all the new home exercise equipment, gyms and fads and boot camps and CrossFit, if you hadn't seen any of that, you're living under a rock. So if there's all this access to nutrition advice, workout advice, if there's all this access out there, why is obesity still skyrocketing at the rates it is? It's because nobody's really addressing the real issue. The real issue is the six inches between your ears. You know, we, we have these limiting beliefs that we hear from people that we internalize. Like one of my biggest things I hate hearing is I hate hearing someone tell me, oh, well, my whole family's big. I'm just, I'm big. That's in my genetics and I'll always be big. I'm like, really? That's just you telling yourself this BS story that you now believe is the truth, even though it's very far from it. 
Mm. You know, there's nothing in your genetics that tells you you're going to be fat. You might have a slower metabolism, which you can adjust to and deal with, but there's nothing in your in your genetics at its core that says, hey, you're going to be fat. Mm-hmm. No, you just need to put down the cheeseburger. So I have this philosophy of if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to do it. And that's what I try to get people to understand is if you're not living the healthy life that you want, I mean, some people are unhealthy and they're perfectly fine with it. Hey, if that's your happiness, go live it. That's great for you. But if you want to be healthy and you're struggling with it, it's not enough of a priority in your life. Mm-hmm. You haven't made that at the top of the list. So let's figure out why you haven't and let's figure out how to get it there. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's about overcoming those ne- those negativity, those negative thoughts you have. It's about overcoming those limiting beliefs and, like I said earlier, creating those small victories. Mm-hmm. Start building your confidence and you can actually do this. I had a guy I was talking to, actually... I delivered meals to Jackson a couple weeks ago, and on my way back down, I stopped and talked to a guy that I played college football with, and he was struggling. He's probably 130, 140 pounds overweight, and he knows it. He, he's ready to get the weight off, but when he looks at that number, it scares the hell out of him. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, Robbie, that's 130 pounds. How am I going to lose 130 pounds? I looked at him and I said, two pounds a week. I said, that's all I did. When people say, wow, you lost 100 pounds in a year, how'd you do it? two pounds a week. Let's think Mm -hmm. about it. It's 52 weeks in a year, two pounds a week. That's a very easy goal to hit. Mm -hmm. So it's about creating those small victories to build confidence. Now, you know, because I've done that, I believe there's nothing with my body I can't do. I mean, yeah, I'll never be Phil Heath on the Olympian stage. I know that. But there's nothing that I can't do inside the realm of what's realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never going to play pro basketball. Let's be honest. I know this. But if I set a realistic goal, I know that I can accomplish it now. Mm-hmm. I only got to that point by setting those small goals. Mm-hmm. And it is. It starts in your mind. It starts in your head with believing in yourself. But we live in a very, very negative world where it's a lot easier to tear someone down than it is to build them up. Mm-hmm. Especially with social media and especially with you mm-hmm. see all these Instagram heroes that are eating in and out Burger five times a day yet have this Greek god Mm six-pack. That's not realistic. The things they're doing to their body is not realistic. And let's be honest, they trained for six months to get ready for that photo shoot, and they did not eat in and out every day. They just took a picture in front of those burgers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have all these false misconceptions of what it is and everything that goes into it, but it's about being you and being happy with who you are. At the end of the day, throw the scale out the window. You know, don't worry about that number. Look in the mirror. That's all you should focus on is that happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's about your individual pursuit of happiness and whatever that may mean. Mm-hmm. You mentioned social media. Um, I know that's a huge factor for, for both of us. And it plays such a huge role in connecting people and giving people outlets for folks to share their success. I mean, anybody can get on to any Instagram at any time. And they can see hard work and dedication that guys like... Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. and Diesel, Kevin Hart, Joe Rogan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tim Ferriss, Wim Hof, Dave Asprey, just on and on and on. Um, guys who, um, they're living their passions, they're putting in the work, and, and a lot of them have their health game, their, their wellness, um, and they openly advertise that mm-hmm. too. And I think that is a huge underlying factor um, uh, that, that people 
it's like they don't almost don't realize it. Like if you could get, you know, just make changes for your overall wellness, your health, you'll start, I think, achieving more in your personal goals outside of that. You'll feel better. Uh, the world will seem brighter to you, like the way you described, and you'll just have more energy in, in the things that you love. Um, you'll 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 feel like you have more time for it, or you enjoy them more. How has social media helped you do what you do, and how has it kind of impacted your career so far? Really, you know, as much as I don't like doing the act of social media, like posting and all that, just because it's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. I go back to my core beliefs. I truly believe in the good of human nature. Like I truly believe that people are good. Mm-hmm. So for me, social media is extremely powerful for spreading positivity, for spreading motivation. For me personally, I use my Facebook to keep in touch with my friends um, and family and all that. My Instagram feed is nothing but motivation, positivity, business. Um, I love watching those guys like The Rock, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's crazy. I mean, you know, here's this guy traveling all over the world doing big things, but everywhere he goes, he keeps his health fitness first. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Ferriss in his new book, Tools of Titans, Yeah, he's basically boiled down all these lessons he's learned from interviewing really the top go-getters in the world. Mm-hmm. He's boiled it down in one book, what's the core values that they all have in common? And a one of the main things is their mental health. Mm-hmm. Almost 90% of them meditated every day. Yep. But they all, almost every single one of them, have something in their daily regiment for their physical health. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are top achievers in the world. Mm-hmm. They all do something for their physical health mm-hmm. because they know the importance of it. Yeah. You, you realize very quickly, if your body is clicking on all cylinders, you can get so much more done. Even though... Your time is going to be cut down because you're now working out and you're now eating healthy and you're devoting time to that. The quality that you can put into your job or put into your passion projects or whatever it may be is now so much more elevated that it more than makes up for that decrease in time. And that's what people don't realize. They, they think that, oh, well, I can't go to the gym for an hour because i got to spend this much time doing this, this, and that. No. Go to the gym for an hour and watch how much better the quality of work that you can now put into that project. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to watch, and I've noticed in my own life, when I'm not eating healthy and going to the gym, I'm not thinking as sharply. I'm not being productive. I'm not getting as much done. And all my clients will tell you the same thing. When they're spot on with their health and their nutrition and they're working out, they're able to accomplish so much more outside of that. Mm -hmm. It just has that carrier effect, that really compounding effect in your life I mean, their marriages are happier. They're able to make more money. It's it's crazy once they incorporate this in their life. But so many people are just so full of excuses of why they can't. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't stand when people make excuses. Do not ever complain to me unless you want me to help you find a solution. Mm-hmm. If you're complaining to me just to complain, you're about to get a rude wake-up call. Because I'm going to give you a dose of honesty you do not want to hear. Mm-hmm. But if you're complaining to me with wanting to help find a solution to that problem, hey, look, let's sit down, let's reverse engineer your goals, and let's get a game plan to get there. Yeah. But don't ever just complain to me. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you need that honesty. You need that talk. You need that motivational piece, you know. Absolutely. Look, sometimes pe- some people need it over and over yeah, and over do. again before they can, before it becomes a self-actualized thing. 
yeah. self-realized thing. Yeah, I mean, one of my best friends, um, she's a consultant out in California. I run literally 100% of my life through her first mm-hmm. because she's that person in my life that no matter what, she's going to give me the 100% no BS honest truth. And I need that. Like, I, I have all these ideas all the time. I want to do this, or I want to try this, or what about this? And she'll just shoot it down the first 10 seconds. She's like, no, please don't do that. And I need that honesty. A lot of people, because they're so used to people sugarcoating things, and they're so used to, oh, you're going to do great. Yeah, go ahead. They get this false sense of, you know, reality. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's being honest with them in their life. But I promise you, the closer you get to honesty and the closer you get to really the truth about things, the more fulfilling you are and the more you're able to actually live a better life. And I love when she shoots down an idea because I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't be doing that then. You know, if that's not a good idea and that's not what's best for me and everyone around me, then I'm glad she's able to tell me the truth and I need that in my life. Mm -hmm. So I will happily dish it out. Um, I mean, I've got some of my friends that literally won't ask me for advice because they know the answer they're going to get. They know they're going to get some brutal truth. So they don't even ask me. They're like, bro, I I knew what you were going to tell me. So I didn't even ask. I'm like, good, good. That, that means that, that Robbie sitting on your shoulder, that Robbie sitting on your shoulder, that conscious is telling you, Hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I want to back up to a second to, uh, to go, uh, two things we were talking about, um, with, with Tim Ferriss, um, Great guy. I mean, oh, just all around, it. super well-rounded guy. I mean, uh, some of you might know him from the four-hour work week, the four-hour body, the four-hour chef. And I just love, like, I read the four-hour work week, and, and there's just so much information for, like, working remotely. Yes. And he lives, leaves the lifestyle of, I can't even remember how many countries he's been to, but he's been to a lot. You know, and it's this cool mentality of, you know, bring your laptop and, and just getting everything, staying on top. Um, I read an, an outside magazine um, article that featured him, mm-hmm. and um, he was talking about different things that kind of got him um, that keep keep his wellness, keep him on top of his game, basically. And like, uh, if you see those, like the TP roller, the foam roller, I have that exact same one. Incredible. When I was doing CrossFit um, at two two eight CrossFit, mm-hmm. and, um, right over here in Gulfport. Um, one of the trainers told me that that one is the way to go. Yeah. And it was kind of like, it's kind of funky getting used to it. Yeah, you know, it you got to, cause you got to like use your balance and, and everything like that. It's a little painful at first. Um, but like now I want to upgrade to like those crazy those spikes on them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dig in, you know? <laughs> um, but like, I like, I did, um, I was sick, uh, recently for like two weeks. I just had, I was real sick for like two or three days and then just recovering, like getting back. I just had this gut thing going on. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of out of it for a while. And uh, when I got back into the gym, I decided to do some deadlifts, you know, back stuff. And um, it was the first day that I felt like really gun ho. Like I felt like, you know, I was running 80%. I was ready to get in there. And I worked a little harder than usual. And I felt good at the time. But then like an hour, two hours later, how like the soreness almost immediately sunk in, which is usually, you know, doesn't yeah. hit me till like the day or day two is always the worst, right? Mm-hmm. So it really like it like it almost I was confused. I was like, <laughs> why why is this is odd? Um and I felt like that for the rest of the day. And it wasn't until I was about to go to bed I just unrolled my yoga mat. I got an extra long, you know, 
it's like three extra feet long and extra foot wide for, yeah. for tall guys. And I just started working with that thing. And I mean, I just I maybe did it for like a half hour and I just like completely changed my physical, the, like the way I felt, um, just kind of melted into it. But um, the other thing that I wanted to point out is um, that that mat right there. Have you ever seen one of those? Those were something Tim said he had a um, an injury of some sort and he started using that and it's an acupuncture mat. Have you ever seen? I have one? not actually seen one of those. I've, ne- I've I had never heard of them before. That's um, interesting. Yeah, it's got eight thousand points on it, and uh, it's got a, I've got I've got a set for it, and it's got a head like it goes on your neck, and it's got the pointy things on it there too. But that's another thing that's really interesting. Like I've never done an acupuncture or anything yeah. like that, but just a kind of an interesting interesting piece there. But in that same article. He mentioned the the people that how they all um, a high percentage of them engage in some sort of meditation. Yes. Is there anything that you engage in as far as like a meditation or what we might call a mindful practice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I try to incorporate that daily because, mm-hmm. like I told you earlier, I'm extremely ADD. Mm-hmm. So my brain goes a million different directions, a million miles an hour. I'm not hyper. ADD, I'm not ADHD, but I do have a very scatterbrained mind. Mm-hmm. So I first started meditating probably about a year and a half ago. And from that, I was able to almost rein in my ADD a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to really focus my energy and thoughts on the one thing better now. Mm-hmm. And really what it was for me was, okay, put the cell phone away put all technology to the side and just relax. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things I did, and you mentioned Wim Hof earlier, he's real big into breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite breathing techniques is box breathing. Have you ever done it? No. Okay, box breathing, it's what the SEALs use before they go to combat. Okay, you've got all these adrenalines and endorphins rushing because you're, you know, you could die here in the next 30 minutes. So they've got all this going on, all this energy and they're about to go to war, but if they let that overtake them, they're going to make some bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So they have to calm back down. So what box breathing is, if you picture a box, okay, breathe in for five seconds, hold for five seconds. Breathe out for five seconds, hold for five seconds, mm-hmm. and repeat. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing box breathing and just trying to relax and let my shoulders drop and let my body kind of sink into whatever position or chair I'm sitting in. And from doing those two simple things, box breathing and just concentrating on relaxing, I was able to really get into meditation. And for me, it was just about calming my anxiety, calming myself down so I could focus. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, for most people, five to 10 minutes a day, would make a world of difference. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Tim Ferriss said, I mean, we are so busy. We live in this world where we're constantly being stimul- stimulus from nine million different directions. Mm-hmm. Our phones are beeping. We have iWatches that are buzzing at us. And it's um, only going to keep going in that direction too. Yeah, I mean, once we start incorporating VR and doing all these other different things, I mean, let's be honest, who doesn't text and drive? I mean, last week my phone was broken. I was literally driving down the road texting on an iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, not safe at all but we have all sorts of stimulus going on so we have to get back to our center and we have to find that steady thought process again and I think 
you know, for a lot of kids that are struggling with ADD when they're real young, I honestly believe that's why. <laughs> because from the second they come out of the womb, they're just surrounded by stimulus. How many times have you seen a parent give a kid a cell phone just to shut them up? Instead of that kid actually calming down mm-hmm. and not being given a stimulus to settle them down. Mm-hmm. So because that's the way kids are growing up these days, that's of course why more kids are ADD. Mm-hmm. Because they're so accustomed to being stimulated 24-7 that when they're not, they're bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. And I know that's probably the reason I'm so ADD is because I'm used to that stimulus and I need that stimulus. So by getting into meditation and slowing my thought process down, slowing my breathing down, by doing those things, I'm actually able to focus more. And I've noticed my anxiety, because I suffer from bad anxiety. I notice it's gone down a lot too, because after I meditate, I'm like, okay, you've got this much time, you need to do this, this, and this, it'll be all right. And I'm able to go forward at that point, instead of, oh my God, I gotta do this, I don't don't have time. No, just do this, this, and this. You'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes writing things out, you know, oh, figuring absolutely. out where the priority is, and then just taking it one step at a time. Yeah, and the best time to do that is at night before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. At night before you go to bed, if you'll do your next day's to-do list, mm-hmm. then you can calm that anxiety down a little bit, and you can wake up the next morning knowing that you're going to do this, this, and this, and you're not worried about it all night. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing, I don't sleep enough. I'm... Yeah, I preach health and fitness to everybody, but I don't sleep enough. And a lot of it is my anxiety, and a lot of it is me thinking about all the stuff I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by doing breathing techniques and making lists of things I need to do the next day has actually helped me a little bit mm-hmm. um, sleep a little better, at least get to sleep at a decent time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, making lists, writing things down. I had a friend of mine who, by the way, Katie, congratulations. Um, she just published a best-selling book on Amazon. Um, she did a great job. She wrote a book on, she wrote a fiction book on human trafficking based on real-life events. So I was kind of, you know, we were talking the whole time through this process, and we were just sharing ideas back and forth. And she's a phenomenal writer. I am not. She is. And she told me a long time ago, writing is digestion for your brain. I thought that was brilliant because that's really what I've always done. Anytime I write something down. It's really just me digesting those jumbled up crazy thoughts in my head. And that's what I encourage people to do. I was like, look, if you're struggling with something, just write it down. Make a pro-cons list. Write down all your thoughts and feelings on it. Because once you get it out of your head on paper, you're able to, okay, that's really what it is. Instead of all these confusing thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer in writing everything down. I used to not be that way. But once I discovered the power of it, and once I discovered that it is actually digestion for the brain, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, okay, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this forever. Like now I have notes on my phone. I have a journal. I have all these different places that I do my writing to keep myself organized and to get those thoughts, feelings, emotions out on paper so I can move forward. Mm-hmm. Is this girl, is she Gulf Coast? She operate out of the Gulf Coast? or She actually lives in, I think, Texas now, but um, Katie Soy, uh, the Phoenix Projects, um, she's... She's all, yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, she's all over the place, and it's a great it's a great book that really hits on a really important topic that nobody's really talking about. Um, so I was really really proud when she 
published this past week and hit bestseller. That's it was, awesome. It was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of people do that more, um, kind of publish through source, uh, places like Amazon and like, um, I was reading an article this week about a, a guy who, uh, just loved writing and Stephen, like had read every Stephen King book and then released this, uh, like a time travel Western mm-hmm. self-published on yep. Amazon and it was bestseller for a, a while, you know, overtook Stephen King, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's cool to see to see stuff like that. Well, that's what I tell people all the time. You know, all these people they always make excuses of why they can't do things. Mm-hmm. And one of the well, I don't have this or I don't have access to that. It's like we were talking about earlier with this magical thing called Google mm-hmm. and even better YouTube. There's literally nothing you can't learn. Right. And for me, I'm a solopreneur, so I have to do the graphic design. I have to do the publishing. I have to do everything myself. I don't know what I'm doing 90% of the time, mm-hmm. but I know how to find the answers. Right. With something like publishing a book, there's all these freelance websites out there that will literally do every step of the way and use a contract to work out. There's so much access to tools and knowledge nowadays, mm-hmm. there really is no excuse for anything anymore. And that's why I can't stand when somebody says, well, I don't know how to do that. No, you just don't want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's clarify that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's another reason why a lot of people get on the technology like oh technology is ruining everything. No, technology is opening up everything. It's just how you choose to use it is mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, moderation. It's it's the same thing for anything. Moderation. Uh, you got to figure out how you're using it. And I mean, there's growth spurts. I mean, the internet is such a vast thing, and so many people were kind of thrown into it at once that it had to overcome its its uh, growing pains and had to figure out. You know, and then we had to figure out how we were going to use it. You know, so you know, you could go on and on about uh, about just that. The internet has opened up so much for people like us to kind of take careers into our own hands, cut middlemen. You don't need big publishers or record companies or sponsors in a lot of in a lot of ways, or um, people to hire you in, in big corporations and give you. 10 years experience before you become that man. You Absolutely. Know? You can work from the ground up to be your own man and uh, maybe get there quicker, you know, yeah, there's, and enjoy it more. There's no way that me and you could be doing this right now without modern technology. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could have grown my meal prep company as fast as I have without mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I could find a restaurant supply store online to find exactly what I need to order and get in by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen 10, 15 years ago. Technology is a tool like anything else. Um, one of my mentors in college, one of the greatest quotes that I you know, loved hearing was he was talking about you know, a lot of people always say money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, that's not true because here's what I believe and here's what I practice. Good people are going to do good things with money. So I'm going to make a lot of money so I can do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with technology. Good people are going to do good things with technology. Mm-hmm. And of course, bad people are not. So it's just about how you use it. And it's a tool like anything else. And look, I love technology as long as it's working. Because sometimes I want to throw my computer against the wall. But it's a tool like anything else. And I love it because it gives me the capability to have more of an impact. It gives me the capability to reach more people and to learn and constantly improve. I love having access to YouTube and podcasts and all these different things that are helping me 
really maximize my human potential mm-hmm. and maximize myself going forward. So I love technology. I love it as a tool, but it just you have to you know use it for what it is, mm-hmm. and it's a good tool that you can do good things with. Sure. I want to back up a little bit. We have been talking about sleep. For me, besides the the issue of a hard gainer, my biggest kind of overcoming my own personal overcoming has always been uh, with sleep was another one. I was kind of an acute insomniac for probably about eight years, and I just recently, in the since like August, just this past fall, gotten it on on track mm-hmm. and and and. With me, if if it's anything that's going to improve my quality, help me perform better, I will spend weeks researching it, you know, in Absolutely. free time. And I was doing everything, you know, cherry juice, melatonin, hit me with it. Uh, chamomile tea, let's have some. Yep. You know, um, blue blockers, you know, after oh, 7 yeah. p.m., put your phone down, meditate, do a little stretching. I mean, I was doing everything, and still sometimes it would it would I would go two days without decent sleep, like more than an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, um, of sleep that night or whatever. And I kept, you know, wondering what it is. And in a lot of ways it was, uh, it was a mental thing. And I had to figure out how, how to control that. Meditation was one thing that was huge for me. I started that around the same time I started kind of dabbling in yoga, which was Mm -hmm. when I was in college at USM. Mm -hmm. They had classes for free. So I started, you know, going to those and trying them out and then um, just kind of doing it on my own time. And so meditation was kind of the natural progression. You know, Mm -hmm. it went hand in hand with it. The breathing, the mental thing and everything. For other people... How how often does the sleep conversation come up with you and other clients? Everybody struggles to sleep. Yeah, and for what I the research I've done and the questions that I've been able to go through with my clients, mm-hmm. really the main thing that keeps people from sleep is anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're worried about the next day. They're worried about their kids, their family. There's some type of stress in their life that they're worried about that is keeping their brain running a million miles an hour mm-hmm. when it should be slowing, shutting down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, things like melatonin, um, meditation, what they do is they help slow you down. Mm-hmm. And especially with meditation, you're able to rein that anxiety in like I've done with mine. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I mean, it's, of course, just my opinion, but I think it's the anxiety that gets people when they're not sleeping. A lot of the people that... I've come to be really close with in the entrepreneurial business world, mm-hmm. that's the reason they don't sleep is mm-hmm. because they're thinking about business or thinking about all these things they need to be doing and want to do and mm-hmm. these new crazy ideas that they want to just dive into. So it's really with a lot of things, sleep's just one of the things, but it really goes to any stage of your life. It's getting to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we take sleeping pills, we try all these different things like the blue blocks like that to put a band aid on the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm bad about it too. Uh, we always want that quick fix solution. What can I do to fix it right now? But we never really go back to, okay, what's actually causing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I needing this in my life now? Mm-hmm. So you have to get back to the root of the problem and solve that, mm-hmm. which is a much harder, much longer process. Yeah. It takes I, more men- mental faculties and it takes uh, more resources absolutely. to fix the root of it. Yeah, but... If you want long-term success in any problem you're having in life, mm-hmm. if you don't get rid of the root of the problem, you're always going to be putting Band-Aids on it, mm-hmm. and it's always going to keep reoccurring. 
So you have to get back and address what's actually causing that. For me, my weight gain was a result of my emotional eating. Okay, well, what caused me to get into that emotional state where I want to eat? Stress. Okay, well, what caused me to get stressed out? This. Well, why are you worried about that? Okay, let's go fix that. And once I was able to realize what the triggers were, mm-hmm. then I was able to nip it in the butt and not get to that riled up emotional state where I'm just ravenous for anything that's fast food or bad for me. Mm-hmm. I've really boiled it down to what was triggering it in the first place. And with most problems in life, most people are not wanting to get to that point mm-hmm. because that's a scary point. Mm-hmm. Once you actually get to the psychology behind why you're doing the things you're doing, you're bringing up a lot of feelings and emotions that most people don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But if you truly want to solve the problem, that's where you have to start. You can do those other Band-Aids and the, you know, the process of doing that just to cope with it for the time being. But you always have to go back to the root of the problem if you want to actually address the real issue. Mm-hmm. You recently started um, a new podcast, Still the Fat Kid. Mm-hmm. How's that project been coming along for you? I'll tell you what, I really, really love that. Uh, I really love being able to do that podcast because I know my story and I've told my story a hundred times and I'm, you know, I love the impact that it's having, but so many people that I've talked to and once I opened up with my story, they start telling me their story. Mm -hmm. I love the ability to be able to go on air and pull that out of them. I want more people to tell their stories of overcoming, whether it's tragedy or limiting beliefs or some type of negativity in your life. I want more people to talk about those negative issues and how they overcame it. Because like we talked earlier, it's a very negative world we live in. Mm-hmm. There's so much negativity. Everybody's so ready to beat everyone down and make negative comments on social media. Everybody's doing that right now. But we need more relatable Story to say, hey, I know where you're at. Or somebody, somebody viewing it to say, man, that's exactly what I'm struggling with. And we need that relatability and we need more stories out there to create a better world and to create a more positive world because I surround myself with nothing but positivity. If you're negative in my life and you're not willing to do something about it, then you're probably not going to be in my life much longer. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I am. That's who I've come to be because, look, I deal with enough issues with myself. I don't need to be dealing with someone else's issues too unless they're willing to do something about it. So we have enough negativity. Let's start spreading positivity. So I started the podcast, Still the Fat Kid. The name stems from my internal battle. You know, I still struggle with that internal battle of being the fat kid, of dealing with emotional eating. That's a daily battle for me. So that's my struggle. What what are other people struggling with? What battles are you having to face every day and overcome? You know, I've had, you know, incredible weight loss stories with people that have worked 70 hours a week but still managed to lose weight. Um, people that have overcome tragedy in their life to really go do amazing things. And, you know, hearing these stories, there's common denominators in all of them. And it's amazing for them to tell them in a way that they do because it's, it's coming from the heart. And it's just pure and raw. And I just, I really enjoy doing that because, of course, it makes me feel good. And it gives me motivation to go out there and do more. But I'm really hoping that by putting this out there, it lets others know that there's, there's never a time in your life where you shouldn't have hope. Mm-hmm. It's never as bad as you think it is. 
you just got to keep moving forward. You got to keep being positive and just go out there and give life everything you got. Because once you give life everything you got and you're in that constant pursuit of a fulfilled, happy life, man, it's amazing. It's an amazing, magical journey that we oftentimes don't get to experience because we're just so busy in the mundane monotony of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that particular project, the podcast, is probably a natural progression for a guy like you who's who's come from a place of a lot of motivational speaking. Um, you were telling me earlier that you did a nonprofit and you were working mm-hmm. with kids in school, uh, you know, talking to kids, uh, uh, you know, trying to improve their lives. And you said that was one of the most... Thing, that was one of the biggest things you were passionate about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for me, growing up, you know, I, I had a great life growing up. My parents were tremendous. I, can, I come from a two-parent household, um, which is almost rare these days. Both of them were teachers and coaches. So not only did they raise me, but all the teachers and coaches at the high schools raised me. I grew up in a great life, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I saw these great things my parents accomplished. My older brother was a phenomenal athlete. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. I just, because of that, developed so many insecurities and voids and emotional stress. I really want to get back in the schools and talk to kids about this. Because, like we talk, keep talking going back to, there's so much negativity out there on social media, especially with that high school generation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they put something on social media and they don't get enough likes, well, they go into depression. And they get anxiety about, you know, just everything because everything they do is under a microscope. So I want to get into these schools and really help these kids understand that, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is. You know, because you don't get 100 likes on Instagram, it's going to be okay. You know, the world's not going to end tomorrow. And really give these kids hope because a lot of them, they do feel hopeless. They're in bad home situations. They're not getting the grades they want. They're dealing with so much nowadays because of the open flow of information. Mm -hmm. And they'll read symptoms of, you know, depression. and Oh, well, I definitely have that. And they'll read symptoms of this. And, oh, I definitely have that. When, no, you're just having a bad day. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just dealing with this right now. That's normal. Mm-hmm. You're not this isolated loner like you think you am. You're just dealing with the normal adolescence problems that we all face. Mm-hmm. So I want to really get back in the schools and help these kids overcome the same crap that I went through. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want them to deal with the same crap. I want them to know that, hey, there's a better way and there's actually hope out there mm-hmm. um, because I, I see the problems. And every time I go talk to a school and every time I go talk to a class, I see it, man. I, I see the look on their faces, and I see, you know, this just uh, kind of just sad, depressed look on their face. And I'm just like, man, if you only knew, if you only knew, like, this is temporary, and this is only a choice you're making. If you made a choice right now to change your life, you could. But they just feel lost and hopeless. Hmm. So I, everything I do in business is to create a create a platform for me to be able to work my health initiative full-time. That's my end goal. I want to get back into schools full-time, work with these kids full-time, and really give them the hope they need. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Because a, a big part of it is giving back once you feel like you've got enough success and happiness for yourself, giving back, whether it's through charity, organizations, and things like that. That's huge, right? Yeah, I mean, I tell people 
all the time. Like I'm a very, very selfish person. I love going to do this mind health initiative and going talking to schools. I love doing those things because it makes me feel good. You know, giving back and doing things into my community and helping others, it makes me feel good. That's why I do it. Mm-hmm. And I love being selfish in that aspect mm-hmm. because really what I'm doing is I'm a firm believer in reciprocity. I love that knowing that, hey, look, just keep doing good. Just keep doing good. Keep putting good out there. Keep helping others. It'll come back. Mm-hmm. It'll come back in some way, shape, or form. You don't know when it's going to, but it will. So just keep doing good. Keep putting good out there. Keep helping people and try to create a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Really try and change the world. You know, I love the new definition of a billionaire. Mm-hmm. A billionaire is not having a billion dollars in the bank. It's helping a billion people. And that's the definition I love. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm sure you know him well. Um, one of his favorite quotes that I love is legacy over currency. Go out there and build a legacy. Don't worry about the money. If you're creating enough value and helping enough people, the money will come. So that's what I try to live by. I hear you. Robert D'Angelo, we joked about finding the stopping place, but <laughs> I, I don't think there's any better place than right there. Man. Love it. Uh, thank you so much for coming and sitting down and talking to me. Hey, man, I really enjoyed it and I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people go to uh, follow along with you and see what you're up to? Of course, you can find me on all your favorite social media at Robbie D'Angelo. My website is RobbieD'Angelo.com. Leave the apostrophe out, and the links to all my social media are on there as well. Right on. Well, keep it up, man. Uh, I'm a believer. You're doing good stuff, and I like to see other you know folks out there that are that are hitting it hard and making it happen. Absolutely, man. I really, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I enjoyed it, and maybe we can do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Why not? Let's do it. All right, bro. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Good stuff, man. I, I told you we could look. Those some of your rabbit holes we could have chased. I uh, know.